0: Listening to audio from Redwood Baptist Church. If you need any more information about us, go to www.redwoodbaptist.org. We hope and pray the message that you're about to listen to will strengthen you, encourage you, and make you more like Jesus. Blessings. This is not the truth when it comes to moms, right? They 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 do a little bit of everything. I think uh, I saw someone. Uh, post something this th- this week about how kids say, you know, mom this, mom that, mom this, mom that, when they're with mom, and then if they're with dad, the only thing they say to the dad is, where's mom, right? And there's a lot of truth, uh, a lot of truth to that. Uh, let me echo what Mike said, happy uh, Mother's Day uh, to each of you, I'll have uh, many more things to say here uh, after the message, but we are very, very appreciative of you, and uh, it's almost as if one day is not, a, is not enough to say all that you do, and uh, we, are, uh, we are thankful for you. Take your Bibles, please. Turn to Acts chapter number 16, Acts chapter number 16, and I want to give one more, uh, one more announcement, and uh, that would be um, a, I'd really encourage you, uh, I, think, I, I, I think if you're able to do so, I, I'd really encourage you to be here on Sundays at, at 10 o'clock. Uh, I started a, a little mini-series at 10 o'clock on the, the lies that are shaping our world. In other words, the, the, the lies that Satan is selling that is completely, completely shaping our world. And we're going to spend uh, much of the summer in this series. And a couple of the, a couple of the topics that we're going to address today, I address the lie that says you can believe whatever you want. And uh, that is abundant in our world today, uh, that you just, whatever you want to believe, it's okay, and we're just peachy. And so we address that, that there is an absolute truth, that it's not just relative to uh, whatever it is that you want uh, truth to be, what right to be. Uh, But in the coming weeks, we're going to look at topics like life, the lie that life is just random, and the lie that uh, you must tolerate everything, Uh, that is a total lie today, that you know you just everything goes uh, that you can that, uh, the lie to get all that you can in this life uh, the lie as long as you're happy you can do it as long as it as long as it as long as it makes you happy uh, that the uh, that the the goal is that the good outweighs the bad that lie uh, every everyone is basically good you can change yourself no need to fear death and there is no evidence of God. And so over the next weeks, I really encourage you, if you can, to come at 10 o'clock. And we're going to take these same questions, and we're going to take uh, the, the, the lesson that I'm teaching at 10 o'clock, and then we're going to uh, go over in our home group on Wednesday nights at 7 o'clock, uh, the topic that we're looking at. We're going to dive uh, much deeper into those and really... Uh, see if we can flesh out some more things that God would like us to do. And I, I'd really encourage you at 10 o'clock uh, in the, the weeks to come as we embark on that series. Well, this morning I'm going to uh, take a step out from the book of Mark in our series of Jesus, and uh, we're going to preach a, a message that is uh, entitled, Lydia and Gospel Womanhood. Lydia and Gospel Womanhood. Uh, let's look into Acts chapter 16. And we're going to begin reading in verse number 11. Did you all know that we have a Lydia in our church? Did you all know that? Yeah. The family got excited about that, right? Lydia and Gospel Womanhood. Verse number 11 Therefore, loosing from Troas, we came with a straight course to Samathracia, and the next day to Neapolis, and from thence to Philippi, which is of the chief city of that part of Macedonia, and a colony. And we in that city abiding certain days. And on the Sabbath, we went out of that city by a riverside where prayer was wont to be made. And we sat down and spake unto the woman which, uh, which resorted thither, which, which were staying there. And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple, of the city of Thyatira, which worshiped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. And when she was baptized in her household, she besought us, saying, "If ye have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, in other words, if you have, if you've seen my conversion to be, to be legitimate, come into my house and abide there." And she constrained them, or in other words, uh, she convinced them to, basically, start a church there, uh, in Lydia's uh, in, in, in Lydia's house. And really, what you're seeing here is the, uh, the beginning, of of an an amazing church and so Paul and Barnabas when you come to chapter number 16 there's just been this incredible victory in the Jerusalem council in Acts chapter number 15 when you go home and you get some time to study uh, this week uh, why don't you why why don't you read through uh, Acts 15 and you see at this at this Jewish council there was a great moment for all of the Gentile believers be, and which would be anybody in here that is not of Jewish nature, that would be us. There was this, there was this great, uh, great moment as the council agreed that the Gentiles did not have to become like the Jews. But then also what came out of this council was that the Gentiles should not live in such a way that hindered the Gentile-Jewish fellowship or that relationship. So it, it was the great news that, that they didn't have to convert to... Uh, the Judaism and begin to uh, do the things that the Jews had done, but also don't use that liberty that you have as a Gentile uh, to, you know, to strain the relationship uh, with the Jews. And so after that moment, of after the Jewish, uh, or after the council there at Jerusalem, then Paul and Barnabas began to make their plans for their second missionary journey. But there is a problem on this Second journey, and Barnabas wants to take a young man by the name of Mark, or John Mark, uh, to, to go with him. But Paul doesn't want John Mark to go with him. And the reason that he doesn't want him to go with him is because John Mark, when they were on their first missionary journey, when they were going around uh, to, to different cities and preaching Christ and planting churches, that in the city of Pamphylia, John Mark decided that he was going to leave them. He kind of just left them high and dry and so i just want to say this by the way you know john mark as the human author of the gospel of mark and we've been going through verse by verse through that and so we should probably not hold people back because of one mistake they make or you know maybe because of maybe one bad day And John Mark obviously shouldn't have just left him high and dry, but the tension between Paul and John Mark were were very, very strong. And so Paul and Barnabas at this time, they'd gone on their missionary, their first missionary journey uh, to their cities together, but now they were going to split ways. And Barnabas was going to take John Mark. And Barnabas, his name, it's a beautiful name. It means he's an encourager. And so Barnabas is like, hey, I'll take John Mark. He'll go with me. We'll continue to preach the gospel. And by the way, Barnabas had a great impact on John Mark. Because at the end of Paul's life, when Paul is getting ready to basically die a martyr's death, he's asking for certain things to be brought to him. And Paul says in 2 Second, in Second Timothy chapter number 4, he says, and I want you to bring John Mark with you because he's profitable unto me for the ministry. And so there was, this, there was this rift right after the Jerusalem council in Acts 15, and now chapter 16, their second missionary journey is, uh, is beginning. And so Paul, he takes Silas, and Barnabas takes John Mark. The dynamic duo of Paul and Barnabas had split up. And so Paul's initial intention was to go back to the churches that he had visited from his first missionary journey, and I want to show you a map. Some of you, uh, if if you could pull that up, Nick, on the screen there, it's gonna be it's gonna be kind of hard to see. I get that. Some of you in your Bibles, you might have a map portion uh, in, in the back of it, and uh, my my Bible particularly does, and it has a map of Paul's first missionary journey, uh, which would have been kind of right around you know the Iconium and Lystra area, and then it has his second missionary journey. And if you could bring uh, this the, the, the video up nick for me please and i i'm not going to be teaching everything that you are uh, going to be seeing uh, in this video today but paul along this along this journey you're going to kind of see a yellow line begin this is his his second missionary journey he just intended to kind of go to the place where he was at right now and then he gets a vision and god says no i want you to go to i want you to go to troas i want you to I, I want you to take the gospel up to uh, up to Philippi and to where uh, you know where where, where there's going to be people that are prepared. And so he wanted to kind of just go back to those original cities. And as we continue to watch this, we find the gospel coming its way up to the continent of up to Europe. And so Paul, he wanted to he wanted to go east. He wanted to go to he wanted to go to Asia. And yet, God, through uh, through a vision, and 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 through, God says, no, 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 I want you to, I want you to, I want you to go west. I want you to take the gospel uh, back to uh, back to the area of Europe. And and I want to say this, Nick, if you can bring in the next slide up, what was once supposed to be an Asia trip becomes something else that has revolutionized Christian history and the movement of the gospel. It has begun to go westward as uh, Paul had this Macedonian vision. He's like, no, 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 I want you to go westward. And you and I, we can say thank you because of that. And Paul was willing to be obedient and uh, followed what God wanted him to do. And as they, as they come to this European continent, uh, specifically the country of Greece, and to the city of Philippi, they meet, a, they meet a woman by the name of Lydia. And this woman, she was a, she was a liberated woman. And I want to say this, when she got liberated... She became content to be what God designed her to be. You are truly liberated when you are free to accept yourself with with full acceptance as God designed you to be. And if I can encourage you, whether you are a male or you are a female, yes, the title was a gospel womanhood but the reality is is that each of us this morning, as difficult as a Mother's Day message is to try to include everybody, is that, that you and I, we, we're, we're, we're truly free when we understand that God has made all of us in a, in a certain way, and you become totally free with that. And so Lydia, this liberated lady, she was free, and there's one kind of liberation that there's only one kind, and Jesus put it this way in John eight verse thirty-two: "And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free." There's no other. There's no other real type of uh, of liberation. We've kind of got a uh, we've kind of got a movement in our country of, man, we want to be just free to do anything. No, you're truly free when you what? When you know the truth. When you know the when you know the absolutes. And I talked about that a little bit at ten. And Paul said in Galatians five: "Stand fast." Therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free and not be entangled again to to the yoke, to, to, with the yoke of bondage. So there's just only one kind of liberation. And if a person really wants to this morning be liberated, then they come to Jesus Christ and they're liberated from sin, they're liberated from death, and they're liberated from hell. And they are free to accept all of the eternal blessings that come with that, blessings of God, and as well as accepting themselves as God made them. I heard about to say, I believe, my friends, listen, that this is one of the most beautiful stories of the liberation of women that has been brought about by Jesus Christ. We've got a movement in our world today of just, of just, uh, of the liberation. Listen, this is, this is the true liberation of it. Women, this was wrong, but women in Bible times, whether you're talking about a Greek woman or a Uh, uh, or a uh, a Roman woman, or any kind of pagan woman, women were looked upon as slaves. If a man did not like his breakfast, (laughs) he had the the right to kill his wife without recourse. Yikes! How crazy is that, right? I'm not saying any of this is right. I'm just giving you kind kind of a history of what the world, which would have been a pagan world at this time, would have looked like. Women were, 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 were very suppressed uh, in the society. No woman had the right to exchange her religion from another one apart from her husband. And so that was absolutely unheard of at the time. So one of the biggest problems, here I'm about to say, one of the biggest problems of Christianity to that society, which would have been very wrong in its thinking, was that in Christ, there was no male and no female that in christ a woman could come to jesus christ and be and be totally liberated and so this morning i want to i want us to look into um i'm not i'm not going to preach long this morning uh to the life of lydia and as we do uh, we see this this remarkable thing in her conversion that she that she feared god which gives us a sequence of salvation that i think can be helpful for us and so, and I'll bring this kind of full circle again with our conclusion. But first of all, Lydia, she was a woman of passionate faith. She was a woman of passionate faith. And so I want to I I I encourage all of us, whether we are, obviously we're going to be looking at, uh, the, it's a Mother's Day message, but all of us can, can glean the truth of this. And all of us can walk out these doors here in the next 20 minutes or so and be like, "Okay, all right. There's not, I can I can do this. This is this is something that this is something that is possible in Christ, you know, through my life." Let's pick it up in verse number 13 of our text. Should be up on the screen. "And on the Sabbath we went out of the city by a riverside, where prayer was wont to be made, and we sat down and spake unto the woman which resorted thither. And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshipped God, heard us" whose heart the lord opened that she attended unto the things which were spoken of paul but it's interesting there it says which worshipped god now this means that she had already turned from paganism you got to realize the known world at that time would have been a gentile world it would have been it would have been a pagan world and so you know apart from for from god's people everything would have been pretty much pagan. And so now the, uh, the gospel is beginning to spread. Christ has already come. He's already lived. He's already died on the cross. He's already raised from the dead. The, the, the disciples have been you know, commissioned. And now we're seeing Paul and his ministry through the book of Acts. And so Lydia had already turned from paganism. She would have been in a polytheistic kind of typical Greek God culture. And somewhere along the line, She had turned to the true God. Now, this is the very beginning of her liberation, the beginning of her freedom. She was a slave to sin. She was a slave to Satan, to death, and ultimately to hell. And then she turned to the true God that she had seen revealed among the people of Israel. She became what we call, in the technical term, a God-fearer, which is a Gentile which had turned to the God of Israel. So early on when they would have coined these people, that is a, that is a God-fearer or that is a, a God-worshipper that would have been coined to a Gentile convert. Because the, uh, the children of Israel, they would have already been, you know the God, would, the God of Israel would have already kind of been their God. But God wanted, of course, to be the God of every man. And so the gospel begins to be preached through these men and women's lives. And so now she has become a, a God-fearer. Now, this is repeated in the book of Acts. I'll just look at one of them, Acts 10. There was a certain man in Cornelius, or, excuse me, Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band, a devout man and one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. So a God-fearer or a God-worshipper in the book of Acts most often pictures a gentile who is now seeking the one true god in the culture there would have been many gods right there would have been statues and zeus and all sorts of different kinds of gods but when you read in the book of acts that there was either a man or a woman that was a god fearer or a god worshiper they would have turned from all of those other idols all those other gods to the true one god usually this was done hear me because of Jewish influence. Normally, that would have been prior to the gospel coming through maybe one of these disciples, there would have been a Jewish influence on them. And so ultimately, what we notice about this in the verses that we read is that Lydia and some other Gentile women, and most likely some Jewish women, had come down to the river. And you're seeing that this woman already had a, she already had a passionate faith. She was a God worshiper. Let me ask you a question. Can you worship God this morning? Absolutely. You can be a man or you can be a woman and we can be great worshipers of God. And we, and we did that a little bit ago. So Lydia, she was a woman of passionate faith. Let me say secondly, Lydia was a woman of passionate testimony. She had a passionate testimony. And we can see that in verse 15. And when she was baptized and her household. I love this. She must have been a lovely lady. And she must have had a tremendous influence because not only did they baptize her, which we realize that salvation always comes first. You can see that uh, throughout Scripture. But they also baptized her household. Now, chapter 16 has kind of been coined sometimes as you know, the household chapter, because right after this, you've got, uh, you know, Paul and Silas, they're thrown into the prison, and they, you have the great earthquake, right, and the prison door's open, and you've got the jailer that's there, and everyone, instead of running, they stay. They were singing praises and praying at midnight, and then the jailer gets ready to kill himself, right, he's going to turn himself on over the sword, and Paul's like, wait, we're all still here, and then what does the jailer say? what must i do to be saved and you go continue through and his whole household gets saved as well and so kind of chapter 16 is kind of like a household book of where people trusted Christ as their savior and they had a great testimony they went back into their home and so so what is god kind of what is god kind of telling us here god's building, building his instant church in philippi which is a couple of households and so she was saved and her whole household was saved you know, the influence is tremendous. Your influence is tremendous, particularly in your own household. It speaks well of Lydia that she would believe something and they would look up to her so much that she would believe that they would, they, they, they would want to hear with eagerness of what she believed. Lydia's house became a place of worship. Can I encourage us for our homes to be a place of worship. Our homes to be a place of devotion. Our homes to be a place of God-fearing, God-worshipping people. Whether we are, whether you're female or whether you are a male. Whether you are a husband or a wife or whether you're single. Whatever the case is, that you would control your, your testimony in your own home. I, I just love that about Lydia. And so her house actually became the place where the church would meet. Later in the chapter, in Acts 16, verse 40, And they went out of the prison and entered into the house of Lydia. And when they had seen the brethren, they comforted them and departed. So whatever is our primary concern is what most often comes out around the ones that we know the best. So maybe do it after Mother's Day lunch, okay? Don't do it at lunch. But I challenge you, and I can, certainly the, ma- the ma- males can do it as well, If we really want to know what our idols are, if we really want to know, hmm, what what are the idols in my life? All we have to do is ask our spouse. All we have to do is ask our children or we ask our friends and we say, what is it that I talk and text or post about most? What is it? What is our testimony? What is it that we're shining forth? Lydia, she had a wonderful testimony. She was a woman of great, of great faith. She was, a, she was a God worshiper. But not only was she a God worshiper, she had also led in this with her family in her, in her household. And then I want you to notice thirdly and finally, Lydia, a woman of compassionate service. Of compassionate service. It also says in verse 15, She besought us, saying, If ye have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us, or she was she, she convinced them. They, they 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 abode there, and there was a church that was started out of Lydia's house. And so she was willing to serve them. Romans 16 verse 1 says, I command you, I command, I unto you, Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant of the church, which is in Cenchreae. They receive her in the Lord as become a saints. That they that ye assist her in whatsoever business she hath need of you. For she hath been a succour of many, or a helper of many, or a protector of many, and of myself also, great Priscilla, great Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Christ Jesus. And you see this servant attitude. First Peter 4.9 says, use hospitality one to another without grudging. Being willing to help and to serve and be kind to others. Romans 12, verse 13, disputing to the necessity of distri- distributing, excuse me, to the necessity of saints given to hospitality. She had great faith. She had a great testimony and she served others. You know each of us here this morning we can say, "Hey God, would you would you help me to build my faith? I want to be I want to be a God worshipper. I want to be a God fearer. I want to have great contagious faith that my testimony goes on and on and on to the moms out there present and future i pray that lydia will, will will be a powerful example to you she was a very wealthy woman i didn't go into all of the all of the background, but that wasn't necessarily her mission lydia is a woman who is now empowered and motivated by the gospel She is the mom who revels in Jesus, who tells her kids about Jesus, who models before them a Jesus-centered life of devotion and service. Her wealth and career, that wasn't her grandest pursuit. Nothing wrong with that. But it was of Christ. Christ was her grandest pursuit. Her wealth and career are a part of how she uses her story to make much of Christ. Listen. God has gifted you and uniquely made you the way you are. And use that for His story. Use your your gifts and your abilities. Ladies, hear me. Do not be discontent with God's marvelous plan that He has designed for you. When you experience full joy in what you have been designed for, that's when you're liberated. God, what have, you, what have you designed for me? And then pursue that and flesh that out in your life. you what I'm about to say. It is only Jesus that can free you from the prison of having to be something you are not and to make you content in what God has designed you to be. The world has shaped what a perfect mom looks like, what a perfect woman looks like. Listen, you can shed those requirements and you can rest this morning in Christ you can be a passionate lover of Jesus you can be a passionate teller of Jesus you can you you can speak of Christ with your family as he is making all things new in in your life and around your life and you can serve other people because you've been ultimately served in Jesus Lydia it's a great example of a of gospel womanhood, someone who uses her gifts, uses her talents, uses in, in this case certainly uh, her, her money. She would have been a very wealthy person, of a uh, seller of purple. She would have used the way God gifted her and her talents, and she used it for the glory of God. She said, "Hey, we need to start a church. The gospel is spreading westward. Praise God for that. My home here, use our home, and we can meet here." and we see actually the, the birth of the church at Philippi starting in her very home. And so the Bible said something unique in this, in this text. It says that the Lord opened up the heart of Lydia to receive the words that were spoken unto her. Today I believe the Lord is doing that also to people in our hearts. Allow Him to, allow him to open up your heart. Allow the Word of God, allow the story of Lydia to be one that says, that, that, that in Christ you are enough, that you are of great value, you are uh, immensely needed amongst God's people in this church. John 6 says this, "No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me, draw him, and I will raise him up to the last day. If you're seated here this morning and do you not know Jesus Christ as your Savior, listen to me. He is drawing you right now. The Holy Spirit is is trying to is trying to tug on your heart. It's trying to it's trying to pierce through the heart and say, Jesus is the answer for your salvation. Jesus is the answer for the true liberation, to be freed from your sin, to be freed from your brokenness. I don't know about you, but I'm a dad, and I can tell you what, man, there isn't a day where I don't mess up. Sometimes my kids are just like constant evidence that eh, I'm not a perfect dad, and then I can say that to you ladies in here as well, that are moms. And so you get freed from that, freed from that sin, freed from the brokenness, true liberation, freed from death, freed from hell, and it's found in Christ. And the Holy Spirit is is wooing you right now. Hey, let the truth of Jesus Christ break through. Jesus died so you didn't have to. Jesus took your sin so you don't have to pay for it. Jesus was buried and rose again from the grave so that you and I can be resurrected again someday as well. If he's wooing you, if you need to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, can I implore you, please do not leave here this morning without answering that call, without speaking to myself or Mike or someone else. Do not just say, no, somebody's doing No, 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 God's, the Father's calling you. He's wooing you, trying to use the Word of God in the Spirit. I'm thankful for what he's done. If you're a believer in here, allow the Spirit to tell you that in Christ you are enough and allow Him to shine through you in an abundant fashion. Let's pray.